when the last Roman emperor in Italy is deposed and the empire doesn't exist any longer in the West. But in fact, he continues it because the empire, the state that he is following, the Roman state, does continue to exist in the East, in what historians today refer to as the Byzantine Empire, and it would continue to exist in the East for another thousand years. This therefore led Gibbon to continue his history for volume after volume uh, until finally ending in the year 1453. Now, in this course, we're not going to go that far. Uh, instead, we will focus more on the West and on the fall of Roman power in the West. However, if, you're, if you are interested in the subsequent history of the empire during that final thousand years, uh, there is also a course uh, on the Byzantine Empire as well, what historians refer to as the Byzantine Empire. Ever since, well really ever since it happened, people have been fascinated by the question of the fall of Rome. How is it that a empire with that much power, uh, that much wealth, and that much stability, because it lasted for many centuries, how is it possible that it finally broke apart and then finally ceased to exist? During its heyday, it was widely believed that Rome truly was the eternal city, that it was the city that, that would always be uh, the ruler of the world. And, and for centuries, there was no good reason uh, not to hold to those views, because it was uh, completely safe and protected. In fact, between the year 390 BC and the year 410 AD, uh, almost exactly 800 years, Rome never uh, was, its walls were never breached. It was a, a, a safe, prosperous, uh, and very large city in the center of a vast empire. How is it that it came apart and it all collapsed? One of the reasons why this has remained so fascinating to people is that they have tended to, particularly in the modern era, since the 18th century, people have tended to see in the decline and the fall of the Roman Empire lessons for their own societies. And you can see this very clearly if you just simply look at some of the reasons that are given for the decline and fall. Uh, of the empire over the over the past two centuries. Frequently, the reasons that historians or other writers give for this fall are reasons or elements in those writers' own societies that they are worried about, uh, that they see their own society declining as a result of those factors. We'll talk about a few of those in, in a moment. And that in itself has been a, a real draw for people to look at why Rome fell. And in fact, it's, it's still true today. It's very common uh, today to, to hear or to read about the decline and fall of the American empire, or that American power is, is falling or is in trouble, that America is in fact suffering from the same ills that affected uh, the Roman uh, empire as well. Well, first, before we talk about some of those suggested reasons, let's figure out what exactly we mean by fall 
And then let's define what actually fell. Rome, uh, as a state or as a, an entity, began many centuries before its fall. It began in the 8th century, probably sometime in the 8th century BC, when the city of Rome was founded. As Rome grew in power and grew in affluence, uh, first in Italy and then elsewhere, it developed a government, a state, that, that set it apart from other states uh, of the ancient world. Uh, the Romans created what they called a res publica, or a republic, which simply meant the public business, but which we have since used to uh, mean a kind of a state modeled, at least loosely, on the Roman state. The Roman uh, government, as it was set up, was one in which the rule of law was, was crucial. The Romans were very fond and very proud of the fact that they were a nation of laws, ruled by laws and not by men. And what that meant was that there were no kings, there were no tyrants the way the ancient Greeks would have. Uh, there, were, there was no one who was supposed to have uh, power or enormous amounts of power because that person could then become a king or a tyrant. Romans hated the concept of kingship. When they had set their republic up at the very beginning, uh, traditionally the date is 509 BC, they did so in opposition to kings. They overthrew kings and they set up a new system of government without kings. Throughout Roman history and indeed throughout much of the period that we'll still be discussing in this course, Romans themselves continued this antipathy for the idea of royalty, uh, the idea that anyone should have that much power. Instead, the Republic, the Roman Republic, was, was devised over time to be a system in which no one would be able to acquire that level of power. And this was done uh, through various mechanisms. I want to mention in this context just a few because these are going to be concepts that, we're, that we will need when we see the system break down uh, during its decline and fall. There were in the Roman system essentially three different, um, we might call them branches of government. They were, they were not really understood in that respect, but three different branches, let's say for the sake of uh, clarity. Uh, say, uh, use that word. The first of these, and the most important, was the people of Rome. All power in the Roman system resided with the people of Rome. And by people, the Romans mean all free citizens of the Roman Empire. The people did not come together and make their voice known as the Greeks would do in a democracy, whereby all free citizens can come to the assemblies and have their voices heard and vote on, on laws and make decisions together. Instead, the people would, would have representatives come to assemblies in Rome, and then those representatives would then vote on issues. And They'd vote on bills to, that would become laws. They would vote, vote on all sorts of various initiatives uh, 
But that's where, in the Roman system, the power resided, in that assembly. And the Romans had different names for them over time. We don't really need to, to worry about that here. Uh, what's important here is just to recognize that the assemblies was where all of the power resided. All of the power. The assemblies were presided over by magistrates, and, and uh, in this case, a kind of a pseudo-magistrate known as a tribune. Tribunes were elected officials that were elected by the common people, what were known as the, the plebs or the plebeians. And the job of the tribune was to protect the interests of the common people. And also, tribunes presided over the assemblies. They introduced legislation to the assemblies. Uh, and the tribunes had the, uh, the power to veto, a Latin word which means I forbid, to veto the actions of other tribunes uh, or, or legislation that might be coming through or being put before uh, the assemblies. Tribunes also had a certain aspect to them, and that was what the Romans called sancrosanctity. This meant that while someone was serving as a tribune, they could not be harmed for any reason whatsoever. They could not be, no hands could be laid on them. And the reason for this was that that was supposed to preserve them so that they could defend uh, the interests of the people, that they could go anywhere and do anything they needed to to preserve those interests. So they couldn't be arrested. Uh, uh, no kind of violence could be used against them or any kind of punishment could be used against them as long as they held that